<laughs> if you already know Drake or you already been on Drake's TikTok or his lives or his Sunday Zooms, which will be once a month now. <laughs> Did you know? Now you know. <laughs> you know whose voice this is. It's Shan from She Gets It Pod. So while you're listening to Everything Culture with an A, not a die, check out She Gets It pod all right i know i'm the one with the little boo me on there that's me all right new season new season 22 giving y'all encouragement motivation and a real insight in the things that i think about on a daily but i'm saying them out loud to y'all so check me out on she gets a pod on your favorite podcast app and also find me and the rest of my podcast on shambypodden.com. Now, I hope you're enjoying this show with everything culture. Hey, Drake. I'll let you have your mic back now. Bye. Welcome to Everything Culture. It's your host, G-Jack, along with my co-host. Mr. D713. Today, we have a special guest in the building. Mr. D713, you want to introduce her for us? Absolutely. We have... One of my favorite people that I've met here in Seattle, we have Christina Chan, um, employee, I would consider a friend. She has such a great mindset and she has a passion for making a difference. And you know, here on Everything Culture, that's what we're all about. And just through our conversations, through her, um, just speaking to her, if you listen to the makings of you, you see she has a lot of excitement. She has a lot of, once again, compassion for what she's trying to do. And she's doing it to really make a change. There's nothing personal about it with Christina. So I, once again, I can talk about Christina quite a bit. Um, big help if you look, go to our website at www.everythingculture.com. She is the one that's really been pointing us in the right direction. So shout out to Christina. And Christina, welcome to the show. Shout out, Christina. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so I'm Christina. I was born and raised in South Seattle. Um, Sorry. And <laughs> I am an activist um, and an artist. And I also do marketing consulting work as well. And um, and a lot of my passions are combined together. Mm, okay, she does a little bit of everything. Artivist, that's what she's all about. Um, <laughs> I see I peep out of some of the stones that you created or, you know, material. And I know we have another one of our previous guests, Cleo. She does the same. I, I love when artists get together and collaborate as well. Um, great minds think alike. Great minds do great things, I would say. So, so are we excited for today? How, how's everyone been going? Everybody's been doing well, G-Jack. How you feeling? Man, I'm feeling good, man. Uh, actually, fine. is it me? Or did it seem like this week just really flew by? Like yesterday was Monday, and now it's like Saturday? Like, <laughs> maybe not that's in Seattle, true. but that's in true. Texas, man. Like, it, it, we had three days this weekend. Now we had the weekend. So, <laughs> now nah, I'm just glad it's Saturday, man. We can chill, you know, relax, and... uh no, I haven't really done too much today, but just relax. How about y'all? Mm, mm, mm. Christina? Mm, I felt the same way. I went by so fast. Um, like a blur for me this week, um, just because there's been so much going on right now. Yeah. You know, things. 
that are going on in the world. Um, but today has been pretty good so far. Good. I can't, I can't agree with y'all about things going fast. It's just, I don't know, my mindset has adjusted quite a bit over the past few weeks, month maybe. So I'm looking at things going much slower. I'm looking at things much more tactful. Um, everything I post, everything I say, it's just I have to put more, th- and I should have been doing this already, but just been more thought behind it. But other than that, hey, loving what we're doing here and getting ready for our discussion for today. So once again, with Christina, she stated all her expertise and her talents and her side gigs. So Christina, what brought you or inspired you to start your own business or even go into marketing and um, going to your arts and arts and, you know, being artistic, what inspires you to be like this? Definitely from since I was a toddler, because my dad is an artist. Mm. And so even when I was a toddler, he'll bring my mom and I over to all of these different art fairs um, all across the nation. And we'll just drive around in our van. Um, and I will be at these little art fairs running around as a baby. <laughs> so it has been embedded in me since the very beginning. Um, I would say that when I went to college, I was actually intending to become a student advisor um, to support low income students of color, especially and those who were impact who are impacted by the incarceration system by the criminal justice system that was my plan and i went back to uw to get my grad school degree and uh during that time i was also a student advisor at franklin high school which is the high school that i went to which is a high school that primarily serves low-income students is franklin the one right down where i stay on um, right near the one across from starbucks yes Oh yeah, I got the Black Panther mural in front of yes. it. Yes, yeah. from Starbucks. That could describe anything in Seattle, I'm sure. True, true, <laughs> true, true. But and I've I, never been to Seattle, and I know that much. But if you go to our, that's one of the first photos that I've taken in our, uh, of Seattle and posted on our Everything Culture page was that mural in front of that high school, and I was like, that is pretty freaking awesome. So, you know, shout out to Franklin High School. As well as when you say UW, you're talking about the University of Washington? Yes. Okay. Huskies. Okay. Shout out to them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and sure. just wanted to shout out the mural um, because my former student helped create that mural that's up at Franklin High School. Oh, cool. Yeah. The students there are amazing. Um, and that school primarily serves low income students of color. Um, about 70% qualify for free lunch. Um, and so during that time, I'm sorry. Oh, I was on reduced lunch as well. And on this radio station, every day they'll let you know what is going to be on a lunch menu. And it was chill juice of fruit. I'm sorry. If you're from Tyler, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> um, yeah. And so from that, um, while I was at UW, though, I also did a marketing internship. I did one when I was in undergrad as well um, at the College of Education, but um, I was a marketing intern at the Hito Food Pantry. Mm. At the time, I was really, um, I went through a lot of emotional labor doing and being an advisor. Um, essentially, I did a lot of college access work for students. Mm-hmm. 
and all of my students were low income students of color. And it was very taxing for me. It was, it was a lot of emotional labor, especially because I am still low income. Um, I, during that time, I was still struggling to pay for my family's bills um, and pay through school. And so it was a lot of emotional labor, but it was the moment that um, one of our students died from gun violence at the end of the year, right before my students graduated. I was just like, I can't do it anymore. Mm. Um, and so from that, I, I was like, where do I go from here? And during that time, I was just like, well, I had a lot of, I had really a grassroots approach to marketing. I learned everything myself from helping my dad's business. One of the first things I did was redo his business card because it looked like it was just like literally a name and phone number and email on a very like plain piece of paper. Straight to the point. <laughs> So it was a very grassroots approach. Um, and then stemming from and building upon this marketing internship I did at the College of Education, where that's where I learned really foundational skills in video work and as well as photography. I decided to apply for a marketing internship at the Uda Food Pantry as well as Husky 100 um, under the Office of Student Life. And from there, I was really able to combine a lot of my skill sets all together, which included video work photography, um, academic research, um, especially with um, equity filter lens um, and language, as well as just that kind of like social justice oriented perspective. And um, it also really combined my passion for serving marginalized communities. Mm. From there, I was like, well, I really love marketing because it really suits the artistic side of me. And this is where my passion for building my own jewelry business really um, also stemmed from it all accumulated together. Mm. And so after I graduated, I was job searching. I was working at a nonprofit um, part-time in Bellevue for about four, it's about like four years now. Um, and then I decided to apply for Food Lifeline. And from there, I am the marketing and communications coordinator there. And it was, in a way really built off of the work that I've done at the Uda Food Pantry um, in a very different setting because we're a food bank for food banks. So instead of really um, providing that marketing oriented perspective um, that serves um, specifically for those experiencing food insecurity, mm -hmm. um, it's a different approach at Food Lifeline because we're a food bank for food banks. Right. From there, I really expanded on my marketing consulting business because when the pandemic hit, a lot of businesses were struggling, especially immigrant businesses that do not have a big online presence. And so I started doing just free work for businesses in Chinatown, logo work, helping with social media strategy. And that really built. And now I've, um, I'm doing some side paid projects now as well. And so I see that my skill set in marketing consulting has now become a lot of, um, it has become an avenue for me to help support our our communities and community businesses. There you go. Use it for the right things. You know, there's nothing wrong getting paid for your skill set as well, but when you're able to give back to your community and it's like, what, full circle? So I, I love it once again. And you help out with small podcasts too. Well, <laughs> and, and, and I love how when you brought up, you know, we know each other from Food Lifeline, but 
something that when I started in this role, I'm big on working with, I come from the child welfare side and coming into working with the um, food insecurity, it's almost the same disparities on both sides. And don't get me wrong, it hits everybody, but who's affected the most are POCs, people of color for the people who don't know what POC mean, as well as especially black people. So, yeah, and I know we're doing a lot of work and something I've seen is I've been there not that long, you know, so people, less people have been following us here than long as I've been there. But I'm just amazed how many people that would come and get food when we're helping doing the sea pods and those distributing food right now during this pandemic. It, it's amazing work. And a lot of people need this food more than ever. And that goes across the board. And I just want, I, I see more people, other people, you know, non-POCs and POCs, and I see Black people. And that's something I've seen since I've been here in Seattle. I knew it was 6% Black in Seattle, but it feels like it's three. I don't see that many Black people in Seattle, especially when they're coming in asking for food. Out of the 100 people that come in, yeah, I probably see three people, if maybe two, to be honest. So, and, and and I try to tell, I don't know that many people in Seattle, okay? I'm still learning. I'm still getting to know, trying to get my feet planted here. But I try to tell them, if you need food, go here. I try to tag as many um, activists and um, community partners as possible in our in African-American communities and or Black or African-American communities. And I'm like, man, Y'all need to come get this food. We got produce, we got dairy. We have a lot of things here. Take advantage of it while you can. How how hard is it for people to get to y'all though? Like, are y'all in like a centralized place or like where there is a lot of people of color or is it just kind of out of the way? Would it be an inconvenience to drive to where you guys are to get the food? Um, Christina may be able to answer that better than I can. Yeah, so, so we are located in South Park, which historically, um, pre-gentrification really um, our Latinx population. Um, it's not it, that anymore, I'll uh, tell you that. Not anymore. It, it's completely <laughs> changed um, from gentrification as well. And so especially South Park is also a part of South Seattle, even though it's not geographically um, connected all the way because there's, there's that one little road through Georgetown, but community members who grew up in South Park, like it's still considered under the umbrella of South Seattle um, as one of the neighborhoods. And I would say that um, because of the, how it's set up right now, I know that Food Lifeline is specifically serving um, just kind of like more of the North side area. Like there's different districts, you know, with the Washington Food Fund, there's like three different nonprofits with mm -hmm. their distributors, um, Second Harvest and Northwest Harvest, they all have different like locations that gotcha. all, um, specifically focus on when we are reading specifically the emergency food boxes. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a lot of different issues that we can talk about here, um, especially in South Seattle, there is definitely a definitely high East African population. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I see a lot of Somalians here. Yes, um, Ethiopians as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
what I would say is that oh, something with emergency food boxes that like, yes, it's in emergency mode, but it's mm -hmm. also, you can kind of think of it as like, are they really providing culturally relevant food? It's something that I've experienced mm -hmm. with a food pantry. I, I didn't actually see a lot of black people utilize that service um, and, or anyone like from the East African populations um, or Muslim student populations while I was there specifically. I didn't see a lot of that. And, you know, something that we've been really, it's harder to buy is halal food because mm -hmm. um, just, you know, you got to think about all the different grocery stores that are also donating that food to us and, and mm -hmm. that, right? It's not always going to be culturally relevant for our populations. Yeah. yeah. And I think that goes into it being an emergency food box. You know, this is like, yeah. you, this is what you can get, what we have now. And me, I'm like, you know, they got the dairy cheese milk. There's some Asian women that come in and they're so sweet. After they go through this long line, like it's like almost a mile with the cars waiting to get this food. And we have different locations for it now as well. Um, but once they go through the line, if they see some things in the boxes they no longer need, they will come and bring it inside and like, we don't need this. At first, I was kind of like, it's, you know, they're being a little picky. But then I say, you know what? I think they understand the big picture that someone else can use this food. Yeah. So I, I respect that because me growing up low income, being on food stamps, all that good stuff. If I was still in that position, which I would still utilize and still give out, wow, this is great. That's how I'll take it. You know, me, they get free milk, cheese, and then some of this stuff is high quality food as well. Uh, Rainier cherries to spinach, kale. Um, I haven't seen any meat, um, any protein, uh, like any chicken or beef or steak, anything like that. But everything else, all the sides I've seen, I'm like, this can make a really nice meal. So, but, so do y'all allow them to like return stuff though? Like, we're not supposed to, to an extent. But this is like something. It's recently. It's still in the box. It really haven't been okay. touched. So yet. it's not like it's um, it's like non-perishable stuff that y'all let them return. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Something that if it's like, yeah, exactly, non-perishable. And if it's like bread, once again, they haven't opened. I'm like, they pull in, it's put the way it works. You pull up, your car is loaded up. And then if you want to, they pull up in the parking lot and they're like, okay, we don't need this, 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 and this. And they'll come and return it. Now, we, I usually don't hand it out to another, um, I wouldn't say client, another consumer, another community member that's coming in for the food. What I will do, I will put it in my vehicle. And when I'm driving home, because I live on the south end, um, and I would give it out to the people that's homeless. Um, it's a, I've, I believe we spoke about it on an episode before this one that in Seattle, it's a large homeless community, extremely wow. large homeless community here in Seattle. And coming from Texas, you know, I, jokingly, I used to say the homeless people in Texas would eat the homeless people alive here in Seattle. Like <laughs> it's, it's different. Like it's like, and I mean, cause when I see homeless people in Texas, like, you can obviously tell they're homeless. You know, they're like no shirt, tattered pants. The You can tell they've been in the sun, sun all day. It's like a struggle. I've seen some homeless people here literally go into an ATM, put money into an ATM, make a deposit. And I know they're homeless, but 
I know they're battling substance abuse as well, you know, uh, an addiction. So there's so many ways to come across of it, but they, we have, a, there's a lot more resources here in Seattle. And that is a great thing. And I would say, and I would stand on that. In Houston, even in Tyler, Tyler, you don't see that many homeless people in Tyler because there's not a lot of resources at all in Tyler. In Houston, there's more resources, but they're very... It depends on the spot you go to in Tyler. If you go over there by, uh, is that the Salvation Army? By that yeah. bridge? Yeah, it's a lot of homeless people over there. How, you can, how many you can they, count? They, One, had, um, they had a place called uh, Tent, Tent City. In you Tyler? remember that? And they went through and knocked it down, knocked all them tents down. In Tyler? Yeah. You're not talking about on the north side. I'm sorry, Christina. We're, we're talking hometown <laughs> stuff right here. Okay. You're talking about Tyler? What side? Yes. Was it on the north side? I think it was on the north side. I just remember it was on the news that they, they were knocking down Tent City and they made a big deal about it. Are you talking about Texas near Texas College? I think so, yeah. There wasn't no damn homeless people. There was motherfuckers over there smoking and shit. There was some other shit going on over there. No, no, no. They went home. They was that was damn near a juke joint. Okay. <laughs> if, if, if we're talking about the same thing, brother, that was a big and I I remember I used to drive by okay. We're from a small We get sidetracked anyway. I know. I know. <laughs> Christina, a little bit about it. We're both in the same hometown. We've been knowing each other since head start. Um I've even missed Christina all the time. I see her, like if Christina went to our hometown, her head would explode. Okay, like that's <laughs> that's how bad it is. You have no idea. And oh, I'm gonna share a video how one of our um, they're trying to change the name of one of our high schools in town. They should change both Robert Lee and John Tyler, but one of the Tylerites actually went up there and said that they should name like Trump ended slavery, and how they should change the name of the school to from from Robert E. Lee to Donald Trump High School, Donald J. Trump High School, and that's just, and that's a serious mindset we have in my hometown. But it's very segregated, extremely segregated. And what we talk about with gentrification here, I'm saying in Seattle, like in Tyler, like you have the North Side, you have the South Side. South side is predominantly white, north side predominantly black. Maybe it's two grocery stores max on the north side. And it's like about 10, 12 on the south side. Mm. And it's a, they were got to have two malls on the south side, no malls on the north side. And it's not like the north side to have a lot of bad neighborhoods. It's just, it's too small to be that bad of a town, but yeah. it's just very segregated and it's meant to be that way. So let me ask you this, Christina, how was it growing up in Seattle? Like, I know that's, well, have you ever lived anywhere outside of Seattle? Have I ever? Like lived out, like did you like ever move off for a little bit and come back or you've always lived in Seattle? There was a period of time that I lived in Kent. <laughs> Okay. No, she didn't. That's a no. No, she had no. I thought she was gonna say but something it's real. Different dynamic. I, I will tell you. So, um, especially um, in Seattle, because I lived in the South End for so long, definitely diversity. So I, you know, when I was like growing up, I get to go to Filipino birthday parties, or I'll go to like. Um, you know, these different Ethiopian parties. Like, it's so fun because I was able to really live with so much diversity and, culture. and just be in culture and be immersed in culture. And 
I can just go to Chinatown and just really visit all of my favorite spots, Japanese, Chinese, um, different, uh, Toisan, Taishanese, tai which is still Chinese, but it's like different type of cuisine. Um, and then I will go to like, um, my favorite like Middle Eastern business. Like it's so fun. I can spend my whole day in Chinatown. Then there was a period of time where I moved to Kent and it was so different because it was, it was like living in a bubble and racism and discrimination was definitely like it showed up a lot more um compared to seattle where it's like internalized racism in in kent it was weird i i was dropping off my best friend um this was in high school um a little bit a few years before i actually lived in kent and he's black and i dropped him off literally across the street these white guys came out and flicked me off me and my um my roommate he's chinese and we was dropping off my best friend who's black to his house they came out and flicked us off and literally for weeks i would drop him off this was summertime and they would literally wash their windows and come out and continue to flick us off they had a confederate flag they did the most and so and then you know like the first time they flicked us off me and my roommate drove back around so we could flick them back off. And <laughs> do, you have, do you have a gun, Christina? <laughs> do no. you hold? Okay, get one. Um. That's not it though, because at the end, um, they started to trail us in their car. That's why you need a gun. Cat. I mean, it was wild, it was crazy. This was when I was like 16 or 17. It's like the, the younger ones just feel like they can just do whatever and, and get mm, away with it. Man, you can't say that because we're looking at. T you ain't seen all these clips of Karens and all these yeah, people right. getting fired. I take yeah, it. I'm, so I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Right now, I just, I just went back and I just thought about like just high school. It's like that's when you really saw it, like kind of in your face. But now you see it on the news, but nobody does it in your face. You know, I hadn't experienced nobody doing it in my face, not as an adult. They, they, they'll do it in your face. It's just we removed ourselves from that. Like, and I love when Chris, I love that question you asked. Like, Kent is like Tyler alone, you Garrick, okay? okay. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. It's not that far away. But, oh, our good friend, Zakina live in Kent, all right? Oh, okay, I got yeah, you. not that, 20-minute drive. Now, okay. that's what I'm saying. Christina's childhood and her upbringing that she's sharing with us is, it feels like the exact opposite of how we grew up, you know? Because I we didn't have all those cultures that we can share. We didn't have all the uh, a Vietnamese friend. We didn't have an Indian friend. And if they were that, they didn't explore their culture. You know, that, that's why I always tell people like, you know, get outside of your you know normal comfort zone. Because right. like moving to Houston was a big cultural shock for me. Like I, I've never, I'll, I'll say I've been around like white people and Hispanic, but not like this. Like. Like my neighbor is my next door neighbor is Chinese. On the other side, they're Hispanic or Latinx. And the people next to them are African. It's like <laughs> and we live in a cul-de-sac. So like, it's like all different cultures. Uh, but you right you here. know, you live, um, you know, G live in Fort Bend. Fort Bend is the most diverse county in America. In Texas. Not in Texas, but in America. And a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. I saw, I was watching the, are they called the Fung Brothers? They're like some um, vloggers here in the Seattle area. And I know they're Asian, I don't know their exact uh, ethnicity, 
but there are a lot of people talking about like Seattle is the most diverse, you know, zip code. I'm like, Mm-mm. you know, if you go to, if you look statistically, it's in Fort Bend because it's, it's a, it's extremely diverse here in Seattle, but it's a different type of diversity it is in Texas. Once again, how Christina Thomas, a lot of East Africans, you know, I've seen from, um, Somalians and what's the um what's the other ones? Ethiopians. Ethiopians. In Texas, we have a lot of Nigerians and Kenyans. So it's still African but different. Um uh, we have two Chinatowns in Houston. We have a large Indian community, Pakistani community, you name it. Something I don't see a lot in Houston are Native Americans, but up here in Seattle. It's like they have a Sonomish, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I apologize. Um, but a large Native American or indigenous people community here. And I really think they're trying to make progress into understanding and exploring their culture and respecting their culture here in the Washington or Seattle area. So I see a quite a bit of difference. But childhood, having that part of your childhood is a beautiful thing. Because what we're trying to do, this the point of this podcast is getting to know other cultures because yeah. we didn't grow up with that until we left our hometown and were able to like oh snap so maybe we've been doing it the wrong way all this time or you know man it's a different you just don't way know talk. man it's yeah. nothing you really think about like you just go out and think about it you just don't know until you experience it right right you know, you're right. around somebody else and you like like for instance i until a few weeks ago in texas i always thought that when you refer to someone like that was a latin or a mexican or, um, you know, somebody that was, uh, I guess, Spanish, then you refer to them as like, you know, Mexican or Spanish or Hispanic, you know, Hispanic covered everything. But then I just learned that that's not true. <laughs> that I get apparently Hispanic is offensive. And I didn't know that. And so yeah. now it's, uh, I guess, Latinx is that covers everything and you're good, you know, so but I would have never known that without the show. Yeah, it's growth. Yeah, I, but it's I just something you never think about. If nobody corrects you and tells you, you know, you never know. I said in but season you have to be around one, people to know. I said in season one, I did not know Oriental was offensive until it's like, they're like, no, don't say that. I'm like, but it's in Monopoly. I was dead serious. As much education I have, I was like, get the fuck out of here. I like, well, won't be using that shit anymore. You know, I'm like, why do we have it? The, you know, the statement with the rugs and all these things. But, and that, you know, and that what bothers me when people have such a hard time understanding what's going on right now in our society with um, police brutality and racism, they're so stagnant, they're staying the same. You know, that's how I was taught, so it must be right. When it's so easily for people like ourselves, they're like, you know what, that's offensive to you, Christina. That's offensive to you, Gary. You know what, I'm not going to say that any longer. Yeah. But like, so does that, it really inconvenience you to just change your way of thinking, you know? You know, or to change stuff. how you treat somebody. And once again, shout out to Greer and Sarah. We see the differences y'all trying to make. Just keep it going. Don't stop. You know, and these are people that are learning more about themselves and learning about the mistakes of their forefathers and things. And if we can't change, what's the we're going to we can't progress if you can't change. That's how I look at it. Yeah. So Christina, so we, I've seen a few videos here. And once again, this is just part of discussion. Nothing that, you know, reflection of you, even though I always say, 
with me being black, I don't represent all black people, but I represent all black people. But how do you feel? I think we said in the makes of you that we have other people of color discriminating against other people of color, especially black people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can, I can definitely speak about, speak about that within my own culture, because it's really deeply rooted. Um, still something that I still think is a result of white colonial, colonialism. It's, it's really deeply rooted. I mean, if you look at China right now, when the pandemic hit, they really, really treated the African population there so badly. Yeah. Who are you telling? Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. so badly. Um, and so it's it's really deeply rooted, but it it's also different depending on the geographic area that you're in. So especially like in Seattle, I definitely do see that, especially even sometimes when I go to Chinatown businesses, I can see that they treat us a little bit differently because I'm with my black friend. Like I can, the, just, just a little, it's, you can see it, it's subtle um, and, and you can feel it, you know, my friend and I. And yeah. so it's also something that right now our community is addressing as much as possible, um, especially for those um, who are really similar or like-minded or who are activists, they're really trying to bring this issue forward in our Asian community, and especially around Chinatown. If you look at the Support the ID um, Facebook group, um, which was created to help support the local businesses in Seattle, um, it's called Support the ID Community United. Um, there's a lot of um, a lot of conversation around bringing this forward in our community and addressing it. And so one of the things that they've done was really um, when the protest started and the damage was being done um, physically on businesses, artists came around um, and did murals across. Chinatown International District, and we're really intentional about putting Black Lives Matter messaging on there. Then there's different posts and videos um, about in different languages that you can share among your family members about why it's important to address um, discrimination. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that it can be done. But the most important thing is that it has to be consistently done and it has to be that push has to be continuous. It can't be one moment where, oh my gosh, Black Lives Matter. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things to see. Mm -hmm. Every time there's momentum in the Black Lives Matter movement, it's just like, it just like dies down, right? Yeah. Like we, we need to keep it going. Um, it needs to be a full-on global movement. It can't just be like, we really need to seize this moment right now um, and really expand on it. We, we can't, we can't dial back down. Um, right. as, yeah. No, absolutely agree. That, that, yeah. And when you say consistent, if you know our pillars on the, the episodes or the show, the platform we have is respect communication and consistency. 
those are the things we push for and respect the consistent respect and communication and, and we said it well but all three of those things i say is to form a healthy relationship that goes from a business it goes for a, a marriage it goes from a friendship and it goes for race relations as well because at the end of the day this is a relationship we have with one another no matter how you look at it okay and if we can't respect one another we can't communicate with one another and if we can't be consistent within those two things we have a problem you know we can't be successful so i, I love when you're saying like with the black lives matter movement or just the in racism i'm looking at how we fight um and this how we fight racism it's something that we have to continue going because um, it's going to be we me being african-american I, I don't know g jack agree we know it's going to be another murder we know it's going to be another police shooting a killing um what the young man elijah um I can't say his last name right now. I haven't I haven't watched a any of these videos. I take that back. I've watched one video of an African American man being body slammed by the police and he was completely innocent. Broke one of his well, broke his ribs, you know, just because he was doing money order. He looked suspicious and two of the officers thought it was another black guy that had a warrant out of arrest, didn't ask, just came up within seconds, body slammed him. And, and broke his ribs. Broke his ribs. And it's just something I'm trying to avoid watching these videos because I, not until I talked to one of our coworkers about watching these videos. I, I said to G Jack on the previous episode, season one, you have to watch this. You have to watch the video. You really won't understand it unless you watch it. I'm so I'm done. I'm I'm spent. I don't need to watch anything else. I don't need to pay <laughs> Nothing else because I'm all. It's like I'm already at my max. It's, it's like if I go over any more, it's gonna be a real problem. Like, uh, you know what? I'm glad you acknowledged that, man. <laughs> no, nah, man. Like, like, you see how I felt last year when y'all was like, man, you gotta watch this. I don't like, think man, you, I don't. I'm done. I don't. But I don't think you felt the same way I felt simply because my actions, like. I don't talk about it. I'm like, I'm signing petitions. I'm making phone calls to these places in Georgia when the black man got shot for pulling out the taser. And I, this is the type of things I'm doing more and more. And I'm just trying to plan. I'm, I'm speaking now, but I'm doing things in silence as well. But I, what I, it's like people that I'm seeing that don't understand these things are still not. I'm like to the point where you're just a passive white supremacist. That's what you are. Yeah, just, and, I think a lot of times though, I think they think they're being safe by not doing anything. You know, like it doesn't really affect them, so it's, it's the easy one. for them to. It's like out of sight, out of mind type of deal. If I think, if I just think negative or just think of the best outcome, then I'm just I'm happy with that. I'm content with it. Um, that doesn't make me a racist. It just makes me just here. You know. But let me let me and let me fix what I was saying. That not the ones that are not saying anything at all. I don't think they're passive racism. I think they're um, white supremacists. I think they're just being scared and they're scared, scared too. Yeah, I'm talking about the ones that will make a post. All lives matter. I'm talking about the ones that have been dismissive and gaslighting. I'm talking about those that will go out their way to make a statement that has nothing to do with what we're talking about a black life being taken away, an innocent black, period, a black innocent to proven guilty. So it's an innocent black life being taken away for just being suspicious or just being black and bringing up black on black crimes. 
like it's crime at the end of the fucking day. Okay. Then it back it goes back to the point of I'm just gonna make you the problem. You know, you're you're the problem at the end of the day. I've had people that actually state that, oh, well, police brutality started in the eighties because of black crime. Because in the inner cities. No, bitch, shut the fuck up. You know, that's the type of stuff that really is I'm to the point. Either you're gonna have to start walking with me or just get away from me. It's just that simple. I don't, and it's not being biased. Don't try to flip and sound being racist towards you. But if you're not saying anything, just stay at home then. But if you wanna yeah. step out of your yard and you wanna make an opinion state, make sure you make think about what you're saying and be compassionate, be empathetic, be like Christina and us. You know, she. I have people in my family do the wrong things as well, and I talk to them and try to correct them. The simple things you can do for that. And I know when I moved here to Seattle, once again, I saw some of the Asian community, they look at me as a threat. And I, and I know it's racism on all accounts, okay? But being black, it's like you're targeted by everybody. And it's so fucking tiring, okay? Well, it's just and, the picture that the media is painting today and just society and even books, you know? I know, but why? Let's think about why. Even the movies they let us put out. What are what are the main movies? Ninety percent of black movies that are put out. It's gonna be about gang violence, growing up rough, growing up tough. It's like that's just a picture. That's but put the out thing there. about it, it's the truth. It's like um, Christina, like me and GJ, I always go back and forth on does uh, life imitate art or art imitate life? Mm. You know, that's a great question for our guests. So, so how maybe do you, you can settle it? this for us. Because we go back and forth on it quite a bit. <laughs> All right. So what's your opinion? What's your opinion on this? All right. So I feel like a lot of the rap music and stuff that's out there is talking about killing, stealing, shooting, robbing. I think most people are smart enough to know not to do that, to just kind of play it in their head, you know. But I feel like some the younger generation, a lot of them are imitating that. And they feel like that's a way of life, and it doesn't have to be. But Mr. D713 feels like it's different. Like no matter what they put out there, that is not affecting anything. It's not affecting like the people of color. By Please the, say it correctly. Please state my statements correctly. How do you feel? My statement would be that no matter what music you put out here, once again, I believe like art imitates life. If some of these rappers out here are really talking about what they've seen what they experience, not even rappers. You can talk about R&B artists, not even R&B artists. You can go to rock stars. My thing is it kills me when people point on rap, point at anything created by black people as being negative, but you have artists like Elvis talk about robbing and shooting and killing. You have mobsters, Al Capone, he is celebrated. You know, he's known as a damn near hero. You know, it's like you have a lot of people that just because they're black it's a bad thing but not like in other cultures that you've had people talk about killing death shakespeare talked about death okay he he wrote that in his plays but why are we pulling those out and putting a parental advisory sticker on that as well so that's my perspective do you have an opinion about it i do and i'm going to come from a marketing perspective whenever i language out and messaging i think about it as a double-edged sword right mm -hmm. um i think whatever is made public there's always going to be different sides mm -hmm. it can be a gray area it could be 
great messaging. It could be messaging that unintentionally harms people. I think that's the nature of anything that is made public and art because everything and everyone has a different perspective about how they perceive everything that is out, right? Mm-hmm. Look at music that a lot of the younger folks that are doing, um, talking about women, guns, violence, compared to artists like Nipsey or Kendrick and where, you know, there's different ways that they are sharing their aspirations and experiences mm-hmm. in very different light and form, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can really feel, um, for example, some of Kendrick's um, like lyricism and I really value like the whole natural beauty of woman perspective. The, the picture he paints. Yes. Um, and that is from my perspective because I am a female, mm-hmm. right? And of color, right? But then, you know, then there's like other types of music where it really downgrades on women um, mm-hmm. as well. So I feel like, you know, all types of art and, and messaging though is still a reflection of that individual and it's gonna be taken differently by anyone in from all different types of audiences. So for me, I think of it more as a gray area in where what whatever art or whatever is made public, there's always gonna be all different types of ways that people will perceive it. A reflection of how that person is producing their art and messaging. And that's something that I think about in marketing all the time because when, for example, I can give you an example of the pandemic when it hit, um, one of our Chinatown businesses continued to go to the media to talk about their struggles, right? They were basically essentially a really big voice highlighting the struggles of our businesses in Chinatown, but they were hit so much with hatred. Mm-hmm. White nationalists with racism literally going into their restaurants and yelling at the business owners. Um, they got hit so many times in terms of like robberies, things like that, compared to some of the other businesses who kind of stayed quiet, right? So whatever messaging and whatever, whatever is made, is made public, it's going to be perceived differently across all different types of audiences. Yeah. So did you say they were getting raided and hit by white nationalists? Like, yeah. So um, there were yes, because once there was a time where um, those white nationalist stickers were up in Chinatown. Like they literally were posting that up. We community members took it down, and we made our own art based off of resiliency. Like we're gonna make it through this. You're you guys aren't gonna scare us, mm-hmm. but. Some of them came into um, the restaurant and yelled at the business owners. Like there was a lot of racism that occurred, and they're one of the businesses that got hit so many times. Um, and, and I'm sure it didn't help with Trump saying it was a Chinese virus and all that stuff. It really didn't. Um, it really did not. Across the whole nation, the whole um, racism on on Asian Americans have increased. There was violence too um and it has increased dramatically across the nation um and especially in our chinatown too like once the pandemic hit 
crickets in Chinatown. It was empty. It was sad to see. Mm-hmm. And then I think this, I, I don't see it as a, I think this was a really important moment in history because yeah. it reminded a lot of Asian Americans who think that, who really benefited from white privilege, that we're not white. Because mm. mm. I, I was just going to ask the que- I was just going to ask that question. Well, ask a question about the some of these Chinese owners, because you say they'll look at black people indifferently, but you have these white nationalists coming in, and they're the one that's terrorizing them. You have you seen a change? You know, and that's what you know. We we spoke about people of color sticking together, but it's being a black. I recognize where. I'm trying to be your friend. I'm trying to buy your business. We should be supporting one another. But you look at me like I'm the problem, like G. Jack was saying, or like both of y'all were saying, colonization is really is from that. But yeah. you allow a white group of white people come in and they're the threat to you, but you still try to kiss their ass. That's what always blow my mind. And I'm like, we're not seeing the same thing. Like, I, I always yeah. go back to the movie LA 92. Um, I don't know if you've seen the documentary, but it it reflects so the L, when the LA riots when oh my god I need to get the names down a black young black girl was shot and killed by a Chinese business well an Asian business owner like and she uh-huh. got one day I think one day in jail or a day probation or something like that and that was one of the things other than Rodney King that kicked off the big rise and that was a twenty eight years ago. Now, and I saw within Seattle at the Seattle Chop, um, and that's the Capitol Hill. Is it what is what's organized the organized protest? Organized protest, yeah. It used, yeah. It used to be the, the Chaz, yeah, but it's the Chop now. Uh-huh. And seeing with some uh, Asian guy cursing at, yelling, and calling a black woman a nigger, nigger, uh-huh. you know. Uh, we're here to make so much progress. How do we get there? What are Black people doing? Then is, uh, and what can we continue to do to bring peace? Because right now, we're trying to focus on our lives mattering to other people here in country. And so we just can live, base, just, just live and be productive. So through a, in, our, in our community. So in other communities, what will it take to get there? If you, like, what's your steps? Uh, how, how do we get on Christina's level? That's what I would say. Um, there's definitely a long, a lot that we can do. And I think one thing that with the reminder that we're not white, we also have to address that we are, we have a lot of privilege and a lot of Asians have to acknowledge that. That's one of the first steps you have to, we have to acknowledge that we have a lot of privilege. I've seen some stats out there. It says maybe per hour on average, white women make the most money and an Asian woman is next. And it's like a $1 difference. Then boom, it went down by dollars. Down, I forgot what it was, but literally like black woman is like on the bottom. Like I saw that discrepancy between the Asian and white women, like in terms of privilege, we have a lot. And I can also say the statement where even when Today's hydration is sponsored by 1186 Water. This is a real artesian water straight from the aquifer in Alabama. 
uh, new to the Houston area, uh, and is an ultra-premium artesian water. Feel free to follow us at Facebook and Instagram at 1186water, and that's 11, E-L-E-V-E-N, 86water. And as also, you can uh, visit our website at www.1186water.com. that's one of the first steps is that a lot in the community really has to realize how much we have benefited um, and really recognize that privilege that is deeply rooted in all the systems in terms of employment, in terms of just our prospects, even outcomes, um, and even in within like the educational system, um, just how closely tied mm. are we really have to recognize that benefit? And I think because we have that that privilege, a lot of, a lot in the Asian community is able to live um, through life without really having to think closely about race relations. Mm. And especially in this moment and where there's so much hatred for Asian community. And, and I say all because there are just some who are mistaken to be Chinese. There are also like just darker skinned Asians who are also dealing with discrimination too. Then we also have to acknowledge that there is discrimination between dark skin and light skinned Asians. I just found out about that a month or two ago that yeah. I think I mentioned on the episode that it was a girl about the color of my palm and she was being discriminated against when she was in China, in China. She loved, she preferred to be over here in America than over China because she was considered dark skin. And I was like, how, how? I've like, never seen dark skin Chinese person. <laughs> but she was the color of my palm though. She wasn't dark skin in my opinion, but she was like, no, I'm considered dark skin. I, I, I'm, I'm going to a party and she's going to be there today. Hopefully she's a future guest as well. I'm going to take a picture with her and she's going to be like, she may be Christina's color. Would, would you be considered dark skin or um, fair skin, Christina? Yeah, I would be, I would be on the lighter side. Really? I'm telling you, it's, I don't see it. <laughs> like like with black people, you, I can see fair skinned black people, I can see darker skinned black people, you know, but it's some colonizer traits, man. It's like we do that with everything now. Like even with black people, you know it's a big light skin versus dark skin battle. Oh, yeah, that's a conversation with us, you know. That's uh what uh, I would yeah. say specifically um to reference is Southeast Asians versus like from China or um, these experiences that we have, especially um, especially in America, we have very different experiences. Mm-hmm. And and what I would say is like, especially like for, for Southeast Asians, like who who with those that have darker skin, their experience their experiences are definitely different, and they face more discrimination based on the color of of their skin tone compared that's to crazy so why are they then why are they darker is that a reason behind it was there anything they're from like a different i mean i guess that to like the whole science and, and genetic but when i like one thing that i could um like talk about is like for example like cambodians like we have mm. in um in south seattle um and 
like something that I like to say is that, especially with like, especially in South Seattle in the South End, um, there's like high policing. This impacted all different males of color too. I'm headed there right after this. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it definitely impacted Black people, um, especially at at the rate. Um, I mean, it it really does. But we also have to recognize that like our Southeast Asians also were killed in South Seattle as well as mm. incarcerated. Mm. I have friends who were Chinese incarcerated. Like it's it's a whole we got to recognize that this yes. Let me say something. The Asian community, especially the younger Asian community community is very different than other the Asian community I've seen in Houston. Like, and I've seen, they, they all act differently, but you know what code switching is, correct? Mm-hmm. Do you know what code switching is, DJ? Co- uh, what you mean? Code switching, like, hi, my name is Brandon. You know, oh, welcome to yeah, everything yeah. culture. Like, you thank know. you for calling where you got your, uh. There you go. <laughs> that, 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 thank you for calling. That's why you have the lifeline. I have but, a very specific voice. But, bruh, that, and that's what I was going to get on. The most of my coworkers I've been around, and they don't do this because because they don't do this because I come around. They do this naturally, and I'm like, <laughs> y'all sound. And I I hate when people say you sound black, <laughs> but what? <laughs> like they like even when I'm looking at Christina like doing this video, I'll be like when our previous guests, when my sisters get friends. Um, when I say I claim as my sister, um, Shauna, baby, previous guest. She, I used to mess with her all the time by going like this when she talking to me. I like stop doing your hand. Christina does that all the time. And I'm like, and I'm like, where did she get this from? Like, but then when, she's, then when she said she went to Franklin High School, and when I drive by Franklin, I'm like, okay, it makes a lot of sense now. Because I'm like, it, I used to, um, and that, that's something, and that's what's going back. I use those type of mannerisms towards the African-American culture, okay? And it's in Christina, like, she is very aware of not only her culture, but she has... I wouldn't say assimilated, but she has put the African-American culture part of hers as well, even with small mannerisms like that. Because I'm telling you, it's just natural with her. Like, let me tell you something. And I'm like, look at this. Look at this. She don't even know she's doing it. But I'm like, I am cracking up inside. But I love it. You know, because many of them, like, when you, if you're going to be a part of someone's culture, respect it and respect the people of the culture. That's what that's the only thing I ask. If you're gonna be doing something that you know come from black people, rock and roll, um, and then you hate black people, it don't make no damn sense. If you love rap music but you hate black people, you don't make no damn sense. All these type of things blow my mind. So, you know, and, and we're everywhere, you know, and we're not trying to I wanna say we wanna be accepted. You know, we don't wanna be we just wanna be respected. That's the biggest thing about it. If you go accept it, just the respect who you are. That's the main thing about it. So you'll find that we're very lovely, lovely and interesting people. But um, right now we have, have oh, you, oh, DJ, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean cut you out. No, 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 you're fine. Have y'all seen that show called uh Efforts for Family on Netflix? I haven't yet. I, I wanna watch Man, it. bro, that, that show is so on point, man. It's like it shows like a different perspective from every race, like in the sixties. But it's so fun. It made you made me think of this. It's this dude, this black guy he had to work for. He was an older black man, right? 
and he had to like he owned like this uh delivery service they used to restock vending machines and stuff and he had a white kid working for him and he used to talk so much shit to the white kid and but when the dude left he'd be like man i love that kid man i just i'm just doing this to be hard on him because i love him you know but it's so funny because it's, it's like I think a lot of white people feel like black people are mean, but that sometimes it's like some people are just like that. They're not being mean to you. It's just like, you know, the way that it may but, show up to you. But where where does that show take place? Like where is the town? Uh, it's in Connecticut, I think. It's in Connecticut. And it, 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 it's racist too. Like it'll have like the point of view from a white person and like, you know, how they look at different cultures and stuff like that. But it's yeah. like, it's it's not really too offensive. It's kind of funny though. Like just seeing it, and then the black people. Funny, but we we do the same thing. We pull in humor to bring people to. Yeah, yeah, it just brings humor to the situation. It's not like they're not going out like hanging black people, like being like really racist. But it just shows like how he really feel. Like his son had a friend that was uh, like like a black girl or whatever, Mm -hmm. and his dad didn't really pay him no attention. And uh, but he came back to me trying to talk to him like, Dad, man, I got this girl I like or whatever. And he was like, Uh, is she uh, you know, the one that uh. Well, well, how do we like, like that? No, Dad, she's not black. God, listen. <laughs> how, and that's, that's the conversation you have right there, because that's something else I see in Seattle. <laughs> a lot of interracial relationships. I may be seeing on both my hands combined, like if I don't go to Kent or go to um, Tacoma, that I see black, black relationships. You know, they're always very interracial. So and that's why I actually wear that place in Connecticut, and that's East. People on usually Eastern, like people just living in different areas act differently. They're raised differently. Something I've seen about people on the West Coast, even especially Pacific Northwest, they're quite a bit passive, okay? A lot uh-huh. of them are not too direct. They have something even called the Seattle Freeze up here, and uh-huh. it drives me fucking crazy. So thank you 10 times for being here, Christina. Okay. Seattle Freeze basically what we call standing up. And I hate, hate, hate being stood up. Okay. So, um, and on the West, I mean, on the East Coast, they're known as a bunch of assholes. When I went to go visit New York, I've been in New York one time and I fucking hated it because everybody's so fucking rude. I was the same like, way, man. Oh I was my like, this shit God. Over hype. I'm exactly. Not <laughs> it's not even that big. It's like, it's, if you hit, grab Houston and you put everything together in this one small area, that's New York. It's simple as that. But it's like, and but I'm glad I'm bigger because when I was in New York, if I needed to go somewhere, I just run people over. And they just that cool. They prefer for you to run them over or step on their feet, or step over and push them out the way, other than stop and saying, excuse me. And me being from the South, I really do have that Southern hospitality, and I can't help it. I'm going to say thank you, I'm going to say yes, sir, no, ma'am, and all that good stuff. But in certain places, if I call the wrong person, sir or ma'am, that could be a problem as well. So you have to be very condescent. Um, I hope that's all right. Where where you're at and what you're doing. Conscious, I would say. Conscious. But once again, we're about to wrap up this episode right now. We have places to be, things to do, but you could be anywhere else other than here, other than here, but you're here with us, Christina. So thank you so much. We've enjoyed you. Hopefully you'll come back and drop some more knowledge on us and some more information. I think you're um, a well of it, but if you have any shout outs for us right now, um, I know you have some businesses, like put us on game. What you got for us? Yes, so I do have a jewelry business. 
And the Instagram handle is Dime Designs, D-Y-M-E Designs. Um, it's a jewelry, jewelry, it's, it's an Asian-inspired jewelry, as well as I also do wall hangings. And for a while, I was making epoxy resin ashtrays. But I, I put a hold on the ashtrays for now just because, um, because I wanted to. And um, I to. <laughs> because I wanted to. Um, and so mainly I'm doing wall hangings that you can just put up on the wall and jewelry. Okay. Okay. Any other people, business, any business you want to shout out, any community groups? Yes. Um, most definitely a lot of restaurants. So Purple Dot Cafe, Hong Kong Bistro, Ho Ho Seafood, Don Bay, Awajimaya in Chinatown. Definitely support them. And there's a lot of different, ooh, Cafe Avole, um, the station, um, Amy's Mercado down in South Seattle too. Okay, see, okay. When thing when quarantine passes over, okay. Sorry, Texas. Seems like you're going back to step one. But it seems like when things <laughs> when we go through these next phases, I want to make sure we go out. We're gonna do some happy hours. You're gonna take me to these places. I'm gonna bring my camera. We're gonna vlog about it, and we're gonna put it on our website and on Instagram. Sound like a plan? Sounds good. Okay, she didn't say yes, but I'm like. <laughs> But all in all, um, once again, thank you so much. And as always, you can check us out on Everything Culture with Facebook and Instagram. You go to our website at everythingculture.com. You can go to us on Twitter and that's every THG culture. You also can check us out on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, and we're trying to put our stuff on Apple We're on Apple Podcasts already. But what's the one? Is it Stitcher? We're going to be everywhere. The sounder, I think what it's called. But all these things, you know, we, we appreciate all our supporters. We look forward to seeing you all on our Sunday community chats, 7.30 p.m. every Sunday. We review our previous episode of the week. And, you know, we have a good time. Tomorrow will be the first one. We'll attempt to do our Facebook Live. So if everything goes well, you can check us out on Facebook Live while we're doing the Zoom call. But, hey, as always, G-Jack, thank you so much for being the co-host here. Christina, thank you for being our guest. We greatly appreciate you. And, oh, oh, anytime, anytime. And, and as always, the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. believe that men hate each other because they fear each other and they fear each other because they don't know each other and they don't know each other because of segregation. And we have segregation we have miscommunication so here on everything culture we try to bridge that gap so we can get to know each other a little better so we can start to love one another thank you all and god bless